God, I thank you for who you are, and I thank you that you are just more than enough, more than we'll ever need, Lord. God, I pray that you just show us how wonderful you are and amazing you are, Lord, through this service. I pray that you're just touching every heart and just moving throughout this place the entire time, God. I thank you for the time that we get to gather together, and I just ask that you just be in every part of the service, Lord. Amen. Good morning, Orchardville Church. Am I on? Okay, just making sure. Um, before I get started here, I just have to say, that is awesome to sit here and watch worship with the majority of the team is youth. I mean, that's a very, very powerful thing, and we don't need to look past that to see those young people up here worshiping God and leading us into worship. We don't need to be ignoring that because that's a very powerful thing. Yeah, they are fun. Um, if you guys don't know me, I'm Jake Caps. I am the youth pastor here. As you can see, I am not Rick. Um, Rick is on vacation with his family, and I just am praying and hoping that they just very much enjoy themselves. But like I said, oh. But like I said, I'm the youth pastor. That means I'm going to need some crowd participation. Okay? No one has to come up here. Don't worry. You can stay in your seats. But I'm the youth pastor, so I can't just stand up here and talk. So I have a few questions. So who in this room has been going to church their entire lives, or for a good chunk of it? We got quite a few. We got quite a few. Who has not been going to church long at all? We got some here too? All right. So this might be weird of me to say, but I think you guys who have not been going to church for a really long time have an advantage. I know that sounds a little odd. That doesn't make much sense, right? I say, you guys who've been going here for a short period of time have an advantage over us who have been going for a long time. Doesn't make any sense. But let me put this in perspective. How many people here know John 3.16? All right. You guys who know John 3.16, say it with me, okay? For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? All right. But here's the question. You guys already knew that. You had that in your head. But how many times do you look at that or read that and actually get something from it? That's the question. Or have you heard it so many times or seen it so many times we're completely desensitized to that passage? I guarantee you over half the people in this church has that verse somewhere in their house, right? On a piece of wood or a placard or something. We see it over and over again to the point where we just lose the context and the power behind that passage. We do that a lot. But the people who have not grown up in church, I know this is probably hard for some of us to believe, but the people who have not grown up in church are people who have never heard that passage once. So you imagine how impactful 
It could be to hear John 3.16 for the first time. A lot of us has heard it our whole lives. A lot of us have heard that thousands of times to the point where it means nothing. But imagine hearing it for the first time. But here's the problem. A lot of times we take these passages and we hear them so many times and we try to bring them into our lives and we just concentrate on them. But we concentrate on those single passages so many times where we forget others. So here's my question. Who knows John 3.17? I got a couple, but very few. So if you've not read the whole chapter of John 3, you should go home and read the whole thing. But, John 3.16 is only half the equation. John 3.16 doesn't mean anything without John 3.17. But the thing is, a lot of us don't like to read John 3.17. So what we're going to do, we're going to go back up to John 3.16 and we're going to read through 17. For God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. There are so many people out there that love John 3.16 but they don't want to read John 3.17. Because a lot of us grew up in a way where we were taught to condemn and hate sinners instead of loving them. Because it's our job not to condemn, it's our job to love and lead people to Christ. That is our job as Christians, period. Because I know growing up, I don't know if anyone else has been in this situation, but growing up, I was more scared of hell and sin than I loved Jesus. Because a lot of us get into this context of, oh, we're supposed to condemn these people, but we're supposed to love them first. God will work on them, and God will change and do the rest. Because if you hate anyone because of your faith, you are doing it wrong. Hands down. And I see this a lot. Not necessarily like, just as the church as a whole. We like to use our faith as a weapon instead of a tool. The thing is though, all we have to do is look at the story of this man that we're about to talk about. This man has no name in the Bible. has zero name. He's just known as a thief. Or a criminal or a crook. And once again, we've heard this story, especially if you've been going to church for a long time, we've heard this story over and over again. And I think a lot of us forget the power and the meaning behind these passages. So I'm going to put this in a little bit of context before we get into the scripture here. So when Jesus is being crucified, and he's going to Calvary, and the thing is, it's not just Jesus being crucified. There's two other men. There's a man on his left. There's a man on his right. 
But the thing is that's most powerful about this crucifixion story is it's not just Jesus' story. It's about these other two guys. So when Jesus was already been crucified, what does Jesus do? He doesn't sit there. Does he sit there and go, I hate these people for what they're doing to me? Does he condemn them? Does he shoot hatred at them? They're gambling over his clothing. What does Jesus do? What he says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's the God I serve. Because Jesus is not... He has not been there to condemn. He was loving them as he was dying. So one of the thieves, it doesn't actually say this in the scripture, but I picture him being very snarky and like yelling and being very sarcastic. But he's like, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. I just, I just hear the sarcasm in that. I don't know if anyone else does, but when I read it, that's what I hear. But there's another thief. And what's he say back? He says, do, and sorry, Luke 23, 40, it says, but the other rebuked him saying, you, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And in 41, it says, and we indeed, sorry, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And 22 it says, And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And finally in 23 it says, And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So here's the question. Does the thief fit into what our Christianity? Does he fit into our aspect and our thoughts on Christianity? Especially the worldly view of Christianity, not actually the biblical view. He doesn't. The thing is, the thief on the cross does not fit into this little pretty box that we try to put ourselves in. He doesn't. For one, this man gave nothing. Was the thief on the cross baptized? No. Did he serve, serve or take communion? Did he work in spiritual gifts? Did he have church clothes? Was he what we think of a Christian? No, he wasn't. He was a thief, he was a crook, he was just a naked man dying on the cross. That's all he was. That's all the thief was. Some of us who have been going to church for a long time forget the power behind the crucifixion story. It's not just about Jesus dying on the cross. It's also about these men too. We forget that. The thing is though, how many of us feel like that man on the cross? Where we feel like we have nothing to give the church or nothing. We can't physically do anything. 
I think if we really think about it and put it in perspective, a lot of us would think that we're in that same situation. Because a lot of us sit here going, we sit there and go to God and go, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a worship leader. I don't have any talent. How am I supposed to glorify you, God, because I can't do any of this? And in other circumstances, like I've had a lot of conversations with some of my youth that if they don't think, they don't feel like God's presence is always there, they don't feel like they're doing something right. They're like, what am I doing wrong, Jake? What am I doing wrong? I don't, I'm not constantly feeling something. Guess what? Neither did this man. This man wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a worship leader. He was nothing special. He was a criminal. It doesn't specify in scripture what he did. I mean, you can think he stole some fruit or did something even more horrendous. You can put whatever you want in, on him because it doesn't specify. I think it doesn't specify for a reason. Because it doesn't matter who he was or what he did. It, it doesn't. go back to 17. We're going to go back to John 3:17. It says, "For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him." As I said earlier, it's not our job to be condemning others. It's our job to be loving others. It's our job to lead people to Christ. But at the same time, we do not need to be condemning ourselves. I think a lot of times, if we're not just, if we're not condemning others, our worst critics are ourselves. And we're just constantly on ourselves and horrible to ourselves and our thoughts. Trust me, I'm a youth pastor. I see a lot of these kids are so hard on themselves for no reason. These are all very talented and they're all very kind and sweet. Every little thing gets to them and it will wreck their whole week because they don't think they're accomplishing what they need to be accomplishing. Because the world is teaching us to be negative towards ourselves and not to love ourselves and to hate ourselves. We all have something about ourselves or whatever we just don't like. I understand that. I'm a large, goofy guy. I'm not a fan of that sometimes. (laughs) But... um, The thing is... Instead of being so negative towards ourselves, we need to be letting God lead us. 
Because if we're constantly condemning ourselves, how is God supposed to lead us to the next thing and the next thing? It's not just about, like I said earlier, I said, um, if you hate anyone because of your faith, you're doing it wrong. You can change anyone to yourself. The thing is, we are no different from this man who walked into heaven with Jesus. We are no different from him. The only difference between us and the thief on the cross is he lived his life for Jesus for seconds. We have our whole lives left. That is the difference. We might make mistakes along the way, which we all will. We'll probably make some mistakes today. I'm sure I'll make a mistake before I leave this church today, doing something or saying something I shouldn't. But if God is with us in every moment, we will make it. But one of the big keys is, is remembering how powerful and not being desensitized to the church and Christianity and what we believe in. Because sometimes we come here so much and we're always, has anyone else been that family? Was it every time there was something at church you were there? I was one of those kids. But it got to the point where it was like constant something and you become numb to what Jesus is trying to do. It's not going to be up there, but I want to read John 3.16 one more time. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that for whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When we read this verse from now on, don't just read it and go, That's John 3.16, I know it. Take all these words and take it to heart and actually listen to those words. And not just sit there and go, they're just words on a page or a placard on my wall or whatever. Those are powerful words. There's a reason why half this room, most of this room has that verse memorized. It's not because it's easy to memorize. If we're going to memorize the easiest verse, it would just be Jesus wept. It's two words. Right? This is a little bit more complicated to remember, but why do we remember it? Because it's powerful and it has meaning. So don't become numb to the meaning of Scripture. You can ask the youth at least every week, I tell them how important Scripture is and how powerful those words are, but we have to be willing to let them speak to us. And not just sit there and go, it's the Bible. Because a lot of us will sit down every morning and read our devotionals or whatever and we just read them and shut it and we didn't get anything from it because we were just reading it because we felt like we had to. But if you actually sit there and let those words speak back to you, 
is when you'll start seeing God move. And if we start treating Sundays, not just something as we do, but we coming in here to enter into God's presence and to truly see what God's going to be doing and moving in within worship and the word and in our Sunday school classes, if we actually came in here and let God speak to us instead of just making it a routine and being so desensitized to what's going on, that's when we will see things happen. Carl, will you and the worship team go ahead and come up? As they come up, I just want to say, number one, if you don't know Jesus, please come talk to me or anyone here. If you have a friend next to you, just ask. You will not regret it. As you talk to a lot of people in this room, their salvation has changed their lives and has completely put them on a direct, different path. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would still be a factory worker that was doing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have been. I probably would have been an alcoholic or a drunk and I would have been gone. But because of Jesus is why I'm standing right here in front of all you people. And if you have anything else to pray for, please come down, pray for it. But I will say this, if you're gonna bring something to this altar, leave it. Don't keep coming down here. If you have something, a pain or something you need to get rid of, Jesus has big enough shoulders for all of us. So when you come down here, just leave your pain and leave those things here. Lord, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to be up here this morning and be a part of this amazing church and to see all these youth just worshiping this morning. Lord, I pray if you're moving in anyone's hearts this morning or if anything's going on, I pray that they will come forward and leave it here. I don't know exactly what's going on in everyone's lives in this room, but I'm sure there's struggles. I'm sure there's things going on. And wherever those things are, we just need to be giving to you. Just in our prayer.
Lord, I just thank you so much for everything you do for us from day to day, from week to week, just to sometimes to help us get to the next hour. So I know for a lot of us, including myself, if it wasn't for you, it would be hard to make it from minute to minute to hour to hour to day to day. And I just thank you so much for the strength that you give all of us just to make it through. Lord, I just thank you for being a part of such an incredible church. And Lord, we just love you so much. Jesus and I pray. Amen. You are not dismissed. You are sent. sent.